Coming up, today's guest is the CEO and co-founder at Likewise, a Bill Gates-funded app that helps people quickly find and share recommendations. You'll discover why getting the single-player mode correct is so crucial, even if your app is social, and how to take time for coming up with a vision for your company. All that and so much more. The most action-packed content from the top mobile experts. This is the App Masters Podcast with Steve P. Young. Pollen DC gives app developers early access to their app store and advertising revenues, enabling them to scale quickly and efficiently without relying on outside funding, and more importantly, giving up their equity. Learn more at pollen.vc. For just one low monthly price, you will discover our greatest growth hacks to driving massive downloads. You can learn more on appmastersacademy.com. What is up, App Nation? It is Steve Young, founder of appmasters.com, the place you go when you want action-packed content within the app business. We talk about how do you really grow your business, how do you monetize it, and then finally, how do you retain your users? But today's guest, I've got a great guest. He is the CEO and co-founder of Likewise, a company that was actually got funding from Bill Gates funding as well. So I'm like, well, that's pretty interesting. But I want to learn more about Likewise, wow, how they've been able to grow and what makes them really different from other apps of this ilk. Because I've seen similar apps of this ilk. But without further ado, let me introduce the guest. His name is Ian Morris. He is the CEO and co-founder of Likewise. Check out the app. Just look for Likewise in Google Play or iOS or Likewise.com. Ian, welcome to the show. Thanks very much for having me. All right, Ian, let's start off with that. Like with so many ways to get ratings and reviews with Likewise, you can maybe tell us a little bit about it. But I've seen other apps that say, hey, we're going to give you recommendations based on your preferences. We're going to show you what kind of podcasts, what kind of movies, what kind of books you're going to enjoy. What makes Likewise a little bit different? Well, you know, we've taken a very different approach in a few ways. Um, one, you know, we're cross category. So we don't just look at this as, you know, another movie app or another, you know, restaurant app or so on. We help provide uh, people with great recommendations for movies and TV shows, for books, for podcasts, even things like restaurants. Um, but we get a lot of people paying attention in the media space in particular. TV shows and movies is so hot now. People love books and so on. That's one way we're different is, is that we're cross category. Um, the second is we focus on social recommendations. Um, and that's different than most of the things out there. I, I don't know about you, but when, you know, people hear recommendations, a lot of times they think of ratings things. I have people say to me like, Oh, like Yelp or whatever, you know, name your crowdsourced app. Um, it's an interesting thing because if you think about what those apps do, it's really crowdsourcing and it's about ratings, not recommendations. And, and I don't know about you, but I personally, I don't know what a four star lasagna tastes like. I do know that I have a friend who loves Italian food like I do. We're both from the same area. Right. If he tells me there's a great Italian place opened up, I'm probably going to love it. Um, so we're very much, we'll help you find things, just you using it yourself with machine learning, help you find the right movie, TV show, and so on. But it really gets exciting um, when, when your friends are on there and you bring friends on and you can see what they're loving. And it, you know, that's how most of us pick, pick things in real life. And that's what we're replicating it on Likewise. 
I do miss Netflix rating stars because now it's just like this percentage of match to me. And I'm like, well, how do you know? And I feel like sometimes they get it wrong all the time. Yeah. I mean, and we, we hear a lot of that from people. Um, one of the exciting things in that space, uh, you mentioned Netflix, TV and movies, um, is keep in mind that Netflix, no matter how good they do with their, with their recommendations, they're just based on what you've watched on Netflix. Um, and with likewise, we're finding out what you recommend across Netflix, Disney Plus, Apple, you know, any, any, any movie TV show you're watching, regardless of streaming service, channel, so on and so forth. We're getting all those inputs from you. So we can make great recommendations back that go well beyond just knowing what you watch on one network. Additionally, um, the challenge with those services is let's say they're making, they're making recommendations constantly, but you're only watching one thing at a time. Um, you can save something to your watch list, but the watch list on, on, um, likewise is across all these services. So if you're out to dinner with some friends and they say, Oh my God, you know, you haven't watched the Irishman yet. You got to watch the Irishman. Well, you got to know what, what app to put that in. If you're using, you know, if you're using a list on one of the streaming services, would likewise pop open the app, you click save. Um, you can go back to that anytime, click play, play it right through your TV or on the phone, or just use it as, you know, as your way to remember things like books, movies, everything's in one place. Hey, Ian, why did you decide to go across multiple categories rather than just focus more on the movie side or the book side or the podcast side? Why go through all these different categories? You know, that's a great question. What we found was there's a lot of things that really work across categories, such as uh, be, having one place to store things rather than, you know, keeping, you know, emailing yourself lots of things like people do when they hear of a place they want to go or a book they want to read a movie. So there's a, there's an organizational and retrieval aspect that's really compelling on likewise. But additionally, and maybe more exciting from a discovery standpoint, we are using your recommendations to help you find things on a cross category basis. For instance, we, when we first launched the app, we didn't support podcasts and we heard very loudly from people who love the app you know, we need this for podcasts. We really want this for podcasts. So we added podcasts and now we support all podcasts on there. But you know what? When we ask new users, when they're signing up, what podcasts they recommend, what we hear from people a lot of the time is, you know, I'm just getting into podcasts. I don't know that many yet. Well, we're, we're using, we're training our machine learning to actually make those kind of picks for you based on movies, TV shows, and books. So we can help help you find things based on your interest in one category, help you find things in another. It's exciting. Interesting. I like that. And I, I'm always with, especially with podcasts, like, you know, I feel like things are so niche now. Like people will tell me about, oh, you, you don't listen to that. You got to listen to it. Sometimes I'll listen to it. And I'm like, this is not for me. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's totally different. But with technology, maybe you're able to find certain things that are, are more for me because with podcasts, like obviously we're doing right now, I feel like there is a niche to podcasts now where it's all about the, the niches. Yeah, it is. It's, uh, podcasts are a competitive white space. You don't see a lot out there as far as picking things um, for you. But I would also say, you know, we're really taking this at two levels. One is, yes, we're, we're training the machine. You're training the machine. We want to help, help you find things when you're in that single player mode. But where it really gets compelling is when you're using it with friends. Because let's face it, in, in real life, you don't care what 
a hundred strangers think. I mean, I, it's better than nothing, I guess, to know a book that, you know, some app thinks you'd like based on a bunch of ratings from strangers. But the reality is we all have people we look to in real life that, you know, they're not always the same people who like, you know, certain books and you trust their judgment, um, certain TV shows, you know, this is the stuff when you're out with friends, this is the stuff that um, comes up in conversation when you're out for dinner with, with friends, right. Or just seeing people in the office is like, Oh my God, you're not watching, you know, the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Oh my goodness. You haven't heard of this. You haven't watched a spy. These are the things that come up and you know, you know who to trust. So this is a way to keep all that in one place. And it's really fun. There's a feed so you can see, you know, things start to pop up on your feed and realize your friends um, are starting to watch some cool things you never heard of, or they just read a book that sounds really compelling. These are things that would get lost in day-to-day life unless you happen to be talking to that person at that time. So the social aspect of Likewise is really, really compelling and people love it. You know, I'm always curious about this because you, you do have that social element. And whenever I talk to founders with this social element, I'm always like, you know, let's go over their launch plan, right? Like you have this grand vision and you want to go too big. And sometimes I feel like you got to go small and take it slow. What was sort of your approach with the launch of Likewise? Well, um, you know, one of the things interesting is, you know, I mentioned the social part. One of the things um, is it is challenging to get people in and thinking social right off the bat. So um, we, when we launched, a lot of, a lot of the app was about um, that. And what we've done since the launch is really focus on creating a compelling single player mode because we've learned um, that we need to get people in and start delivering great results for them, for them to then help bring their friends on. Because let's face it, we're starting off or an app that's a year old. It's not like all your friends are there, nor, nor would you expect them to be there yet. Um, so our, um, our launch is very much um, around that social aspect. And we've had, to, we've had to dial that back a little bit even as we add those features, we had to make that first time experience very much, um, very compelling, even if you're just coming on and you don't, your friends aren't there yet. I'm so glad you said that. Cause I feel this, I feel so strongly about this Ian. that like people are like, no, you know, people are going to share this. People are going to share this. Let's, let's put in this dual, like share referral program. Like you gotta make people love it. Like I'm not going to share this with my friend if that single player mode is not working well. And what did you guys, like when you guys are doing any type of like soft launches, beta launches to get make, to make sure that single, single player mode was, you know, really refined. I think it's, that's a great question. I think actually the alpha and the beta mode um, were almost misleading in that sense because the people we had on there, um, many of them did know each other because they were friends of mine and employees and the other founders and so on. So it was a t- tight knit group. And it, what it does is it, it led us to see um, the social things taking off more than they do once you get out of the Petri dish. So that was a challenge. And we had to step back after the launch and say, all right, what can we do to make discovery more compelling for the user who has no friends on here? Right? How do we get them loving the app before they um, before they go on and bring friends on? How did you do, go about doing that? Well, we focused a lot on discovery aspects, like really enhancing the machine learning, so that instead of coming on and kind of prompting you and saying, "Bring on your friends," it's more exciting, and so on. We've really set it up so that you you come in and you tell us something. You know, we prompt you to say, you know, "Oh, you're interested in, you know, what are you interested in? They're interested in books and movies." We hit them with, we hit the new user with 
a whole menu of, as you can imagine, just lot, hit them with that. That one's easy. Show them lots of TV shows and movies, give them the opportunity to either recommend it, um, save it to their list or dismiss it. And that's, of course, just one click each time. So it's very easy. So we get people involved immediately. And based on those recommendations, the ones they recommend, we start playing recommendations back to them. And then, of course, the more they recommend uh, save or dismiss items, the better we get at, at giving them recommendations. So it's really about, hey, help make us smarter. And it's fun, right? I mean, you're not asking people to do something that that is tedious, right? I mean, all of us, you know, putting up a bunch of movies and TV shows in front of people, um, it's a pretty it's a pretty low bar to get people to engage and, and tell you a bunch they like. I mean, I, I personally find it fun. I think we're a very content-driven society getting more so by the day. Yeah. And I know you kind of talked about like subscription fatigue. There's so many subscription Disney plus making such huge waves, which I'm like very tempted. Like, I feel like they're disrupting a lot of the subscription services with ESPN plus Hulu and Disney plus. I'm like, I'm game. Let's do this. But talk to me about this. Um, The subscription fatigue you mentioned is a huge issue. And this is one of these things where after we launched, you know, so often I'm sure you hear from, from founders and business leaders, you know, you find the product market fit and it's not exactly where you started. What we found is we launched and we saw things take off with TV shows and movies and also with books, but obviously TV show and movies affect almost everybody um, where books is, you know, not a niche, it's bigger than that, but it's certainly not the size of TV and movies. Anyway, what we saw was uh, people were loving it in the TV and movie space and we started um, doing research and found that the problem that, you know, I know I have at home is something that seemed to resonate with almost every person we did qualitative research with, which was help me figure out what to watch and where to watch it. What should I watch next? Right. What should be on my list? And I personally didn't realize how big that issue was and what we've seen. And now we've done a ton of qualitative and now quantitative research, a lot of which we've uh, we've put out there um, in the form of infographics and so on that really say that, you know, people just are frustrated. They don't, you know, they, they don't know what they have. They feel like they're not getting enough value because they, they know they're paying for content via their streaming services in addition sometimes to cable and so on, but they don't know what they have and what to watch next. And what's interesting is that's already a problem. And that was true before the launch of Disney Plus and before the launch of Apple. And now it's going to explode. It's getting more frustrating because people have more streaming services. And the data we've gotten says the more streaming services someone has, the more frustrated they are. Um, so the people who love content and have signed up are really struggling. So there's a great spot for something like Likewise that is looking at this cross-platform, right? Let's you track things cross-platform lets you recommend things cross-platform, which means we can then recommend you things that um, that are on different services. Whereas no matter how good a job any of these streaming services do, their inputs are only based on what you're watching on their network. Yeah. So um, that's exci- it's an exciting space. I love so you don't want subscription. Space. I love the... I'm sorry? No, no, I was just saying I love this. I love this. The streaming, you know, people call them the streaming wars or whatever you want to call them. I love what's happening in that space. I think it's fun for it's it's a fun and interesting space. It's very good for likewise. Yeah, totally. And so you, I was, well, I was just, just making a joke that you don't want subscription fatigue 
to ever happen. You want people to be like, yes, I love all these subscriptions. Because then, you know, like, it's, it's crazy how many they're out there. Yeah, no, the more content that's out there, the better for us. But the more it's getting spread around different services, the more um, frustrated consumers are and the more they're looking to solve that problem. And that's, that's beneficial for likewise. I mean, let's face it, if there's one streaming service, it's not that important. And really Netflix has been not totally dominant, but clearly has had the mind share such that if you think about it, you know, Netflix has become for many people, their TV guide or their cable guide. Many people will just come in and they don't know what to watch. So they turn on Netflix and they, start scrolling. Well, that's breaking down now because now, you know, 10 million people went out day one and signed up for Disney plus many people are, you know, if you get a new iPhone or iPad or whatever, Apple TV, you're getting Apple TV. Um, and so people, and of course there's Hulu and Amazon and so on. So in that world, you don't have a single cable guy. You don't have a single TV guide. And that is a role that likewise is playing for people because it's cutting across these services. Hey, Ian, what I want to get to next is you were the CEO of Market Leader, which I think if I remember correctly, you guys were sort of, was it Trillio and Zillow? Was, was it powering that or was it the company? Yeah, we were, um, um, what, Market Leader was the leading provider and actually still is the leading provider of, of software to the residential real estate industry. Hundreds of thousands of agents use Market Leader software. So we were focused on the agent side of things where players like Zillow and Trulia and others were focused very much on the consumer side of things. Um, and what, what happened with market leader, I ran it for a dozen years, took it public and we ended up selling to Trulia um, about five years, we think about five or so years ago um, because it was strategic for them to then, you know, to kind of not only have the front end, but then also have the agent facing side. And then later Zillow bought Trulia. Um, so that was, um, I had already moved on. I worked on the integration of market leader into Trulia. Um, I had been there a dozen years and I had moved on. So it was a great outcome. I mean, it was a great outcome for market leader shareholders. It was a great outcome for Trulia. And eventually it was a great outcome for, for Zillow because they ended up rolling all the pieces up. Yeah. I, and what I want to get to is from a, a leadership perspective, like coming from such a bigger company now, and then, you know, like now doing your own startup and having this, like, what's your mentality? Because here's what I struggle with again, and this is more of a personal question. Sometimes I feel like, you know, I don't see myself ever running a huge, big company like that. And I don't know if I, it's just a mindset thing because I don't think as big as I should be, or if I'm just more like, Hey, I like this sort of like solopreneur lifestyle business type of thing. Like how's your mindset change from this running this huge, big company to now running a startup? Well, you're giving me probably a little too much credit. Marketplace was a good sized company. We did, it was a public company. We took it public, but it was, you know, it was about 600 people, um, at its largest. So it was a good sized company. Um, it was still, I still categorize that as a small company when you can still kind of drive it as an individual and a few people on your leadership team. It's not like you're managing far flung divisions all over the world. So I consider myself a small company person and I really enjoyed that size. What's different with likewise is I am you know, co-founder and employee number one. My other, my other co-founders are not, we're not, we're never part of the company. They were part of, you know, coming up with the idea and, and they're still very active board members. But so as employee number one, it's a very different feeling where it's that zero, if you've read zero to one, I mean, you know, you're figuring out um, 
who you're bringing on. Fortunately, I found a great CTO right off the bat. He helped build out an engineering team. And then piece by piece, you know, we've added folks on. Um, and so that part is very different. And of course, you have a different, you know, just a different span of control when it's a couple dozen people versus versus five, six hundred. Um, but it's still the thing that I love about being a CEO that I, I think is my favorite thing. And you really see it at zero to one. But I felt this way at Market Leader, too. Um, the best thing about running a company and really as being a leader in a company is you pick the people you work with every day. Right. And a good leader, that's the key thing they're focused on. I can't write code. I can't design screens. I'm not particularly useful. I, I like to say, right here, you know, I, for, for a startup this size, but I do play a big role in deciding who gets on the team. Obviously, you know, my CTO is picking engineers and so on and so forth, but I'm in these interview loops and you can really define the culture. And I think that's why people come to work. And I think, you know, there's a different, what I've seen in my career is people in their very early stages in their early twenties and so on tend to pick a job based on the job. And as you see people get into their mid thirties and forties and so on, I notice that they've learned a lesson they don't even think about or voice. They just go in and they want to, they want to talk to 10 people before they take the job because they've come to realize through a lot of jobs that their personal excitement and just how much they're going to enjoy the job is based on who are the people that are sitting around them each day. So to me, being able to define that and make sure that the culture is defined by people who really enjoy working together, that's the most fun part, regardless of, you know, I don't know how that works. I've never run a company with 100,000 people, but I know with dozens and hundreds, that, that's really the CEO's most important role. You know, you hear celebrities or actors and actresses, people in the entertainment business say this all the time, like they can't control whether a movie or a TV show is going to be a hit. And so they really prioritize what you just said, Ian. It's like, who do I get to work with? And the relationships that are sort of built as they're making this thing together. And that's what you sort of remember is these relationships, not if you took it or sold it for, I'm sure you remember those still, Ian, but at the same time, like those connections are still more important and that's something that you, you sort of take. Absolutely. I think it just defines how, and look, I mean, I say to people all the time, if you're, if you're finding yourself coming to work on Mondays and Tuesdays and all you're just, all you're doing is thinking about Friday, you know, the whole TGIF, I, that's a four letter word, TGIF. To me, it's like, sure, we all look to the week and forward to a weekend or vacation here and there, but you know, we spend half of our time on this earth that we're, we're awake, we're in the office. And I think, you know, it's important to do something you really enjoy and you're passionate about. And I think when push comes to shove, the company is important, but the people around you is what defines happiness for people at work more than any other factor. You want to be working with people you enjoy. And of course, you want to be working on something exciting as well. And I think we've got both going here, but then I'm a little biased. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me ask you this, Ian, and then we can hit the big finish soon. But as a CEO, like, do you, I know, I think I heard or read that Bill, Bill Gates tends to like lock himself away for a couple of weeks in a cabin and just no internet, no nothing to really vision, you know, like plan out a vision and plan out what he's going to do next. What do you do as a CEO? Like, do you try to practice going away, thinking about likewise, what's next? What's the future? Because I think we get too caught up in the day-to-day -day sometimes. So how do you like to sort of make time for the vision of the company? 
Yeah, I wish I could say I did those Bill Gates think weeks that you mentioned because I've always been jealous. I don't know that I've ever gotten to a point where where I um, where I was able to step away that much. But I mean, that's probably a flaw in my own management style. I should realize that part of my role is that step away. Um, but uh, you know, we're a small company today, so it's really much more about interacting with with the team day by day. And as a company gets bigger, I think you need to step away more. I've always believed, you know, I, I have a great relationship with my current board. I had a great relationship with my previous board, even as we became a public company. Um, and, you know, people think of that as making it so formal. Um, I still had a great working relationship and, you know, would really take those board meetings seriously, not as a formality, but as an opportunity to to check in and talk about the business at a higher level than maybe you can do day to day, do it with the board, do it with the leadership team, sometimes doing it with both together so that you're, you're making time to think about where did this go? And, and um, that was really, you know, we're still very small. Likewise, that was really critical in the early days of market leader before the real estate, you know, online, before the real estate industry had gone online at all, we were very early to that game. And so we had to spend a lot of time, stepping back and saying, you know, what is this industry going to look like? You know, what's the role of a, a real estate agent five or 10 years from now? Where is the, where is the money going to be? Where can the business be built? And frankly, that's how we, that's how we got into the software as a service space um, in the real estate downturn. We originally were doing just straight lead generation with realtors and we looked and we said, you know, boy, the big frustration point we're seeing is, you know, you got more than a million real estate agents out there and it looks like most of them are using five, six, seven, eight, you know, different niche little software tools. And that's not sustainable for them or for the providers because niche software is a really tough, you know, getting, having a, you know, you need a, you need, and that's why we went and built an integrated platform. And that came out of a lot of strategic insights and kind of days away from the business. So true. I mean, a lot of the people that I run with, a lot of my friends are all, you know, founders, but they're not like, there's no board, right? And so I've always said, hey, we should set up a board meeting where we all just check in with each other because it helps you make sure that you have time to think about the vision, that you're relaying some of the things that, you know, if it sort of forces you to think about what's next, what's the future, what's happening right now too. Yes, Absolutely. All right. Well, I love this again. Well, before we hit the big finish, I know we're a little bit short on time. I do want to thank my sponsor, Pollen.vc. Look, guys, if you're looking, what they allow you to do is the gen the revenues that you're generating from the ad networks or the app stores, they they have a delay. There's a payment delay in when they when you actually earn that money to when you actually get paid out up to 60 days for some of the app stores. And so what Paulin does is let's say you found a channel that works really well from a user acquisition standpoint and you want to reinvest. Maybe you want to reinvest in building out your product and you've earned all this income and you've generated all these sales and you can't have access to it. Well, Paulin will give you access to your earned revenues a lot faster. So they'll just give you that payment as a, a sort of a loan, and then you can reinvest in your company and just get payment faster. And you can reinvest every seven days, pretty much, as you start keep generating revenues. Paulin will give you all those revenues a lot faster than the app stores do are can do that for you. And so, real need in the app store in the app business, and that's what they allow you to do. So, if you're interested, go check them out. It is Paulin.vc. Once again, Paulin.vc. Ian, this has been absolutely amazing, but let's go to the big finish. Besides, likewise, give us another app that we should definitely check out. Pisa. 
besides Likewise. I can't. I guess I've given enough plugs to Likewise. Huh? That is my favorite app, though. Um, you know, I don't know that I have. I, I'm I'm actually a pretty pragmatic user. Um, so I have a few things that I use. I, I I'm a Fitbit guy, so I like my Fitbit app. I don't know that it's anything magical, but I certainly um, I certainly pay attention to it. I love listening to uh, to audiobooks, so I use Audible a lot. Um, you know, and of course I can't find my way down the street without, without, uh, without GPS. I tend to, I know a lot of people are ways people, I, I tend to use Google maps. So you can hear, I, I'm, I tend to lean pragmatic towards, towards things like that. Um, and so those are probably the big ones that jump to mind. Well, let me ask you this. What's a, a, now, what's a new show or a book or a podcast, something that you've gotten through likewise that you're like, well, I didn't, that was a, sort of surprising for you. Oh, it's a great question. I mean, I found so many great things. Even in the beta, we were finding great things just watching other people. But, you know, um, recently, for people who can handle something a little heavy, The Spy on Netflix is just an incredible story. Um, highly recommend six episodes. It's, you know, it's, it's, a, tr- it's a true story and it's a shockingly incredible one. Um, the Irishman just came out. Um, like that a lot. Mrs. Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, I know, has since become a huge hit, but likewise, users knew about it. You know, day one when it launched, there was immediate buzz on likewise, like, what is this marvelous Mrs. Maisel on Prime and so on. And now it's started winning, you know, tons of Emmys and so on. And I think it comes back tomorrow or the day after. So that's exciting. So those are, those are, you know, a few, but I mean, it, yeah, I could point to dozens and dozens, um, that, you know, I, it's my only source at this point. I look at what's <laughs> trending on likewise with my friends and, and that's what that's what I go to. I mean, that's where the action is. And I think that's where likewise really gets exciting, particularly in a space like podcasts where, you know, nobody knows what anybody's listening to. And I don't know about you. That's where I get all my podcast picks is what are friends tell me? <laughs> Cause there's a, a sea of them out there and <laughs> I wouldn't know where to look otherwise. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I'm with you on that. And I, I'm going to check out the spy I've, I've seen what's trending on, on likewise as well. So I'm going to check out some of these new movies. I'm, I'm eager to go dig deep and be like, all right, Ian, how correct are you? <laughs> and really test it out. <laughs> yeah. We've got, I mean, definitely check out my profile, check out Bill Gates profile and oh, yeah. you know, other friends that you have on there or you can connect with Facebook, but also there's tons of lists on likewise that people love to see, you know, funny quotable movies, so on and so forth. And we, we tend to plug the ones that get a lot of attention um, so there's a lot of fun you can have on the app. People love the list. And one feature I didn't mention earlier, but it's a big hit is our ask feature where someone will just come on and say, Hey, I'm looking for a sci-fi for sci-fi thriller books. What do you recommend? And unlike something like Facebook, where it's just a stream of unstructured words that you can never find again and can't really use. Unlike why people just go in and they, you know, they type the spy or whatever. And as you type it, it fills it out and there's the movie or book or whatever it is. You click the little plus button and now you've suggested that and other people come in and they suggested Bill Gates actually posted an ask just a few weeks ago that thousands and thousands of people um, recommending shows that he should watch. Um, so it's, it's a lot of fun. Some people just love going in and making suggestions and helping out um, their fellow person. And then people use those as resources to see, oh, I like sci-fi thrillers. I'll keep an eye on that list and see what see what gets filled. So it's just a lot of fun and it's pragmatic as well. I love it. Now I'm looking at your list right now. I'm talking to strangers, it's on my list. I, I use Scribd instead of Audible because it's like a Netflix for audiobooks, but they don't have some of the books and unfortunately they don't have that. But The Spy is definitely on my list. So 
uh, I'll ping you. I'll, I'll leave a comment and be like, yeah, you're right. I love this show. <laughs> All Absolutely. Right, I'll, I'll give you one. I'll give you one other. I can't believe I forgot to mention, but yeah. the, the, here's the hidden gem that most people don't know. I'm sorry. If you haven't watched, I'm sorry. The first two seasons are on Netflix. This is one of the funniest shows that has ever been written. Andrea Savage is a genius. Um, and it, I have yet to, I've recommended it outside of likewise, even to 15 or 20 people. I haven't had any of them come, not come back and thank me. It's my wife and I's favorite show, our daughter's favorite show. Can't recommend it enough. Okay. All right. So, I love it. Andrew I, Savage, if you're listening, you're welcome. <laughs> I love it. We're not that big, Ian, but okay. Yeah. Well. <laughs> hey, Ian, what's a lesson that took you the longest to learn? You know, I think the best, I, I think it took me a while, and I think the best lesson that I learned, I learned through someone I worked with at my last company at Market Leader who, you know, looked at me one day and said, you know, Ian, look, you're in charge of what and why, and I'm in charge of how. And it, that encapsulated the things I like and don't like in my job. And, you know, I'm not the guy who's the great project manager who pulls all the pieces together. And what I learned from that was he really was kind of our number two guy at at market leader and I just started backing off on a lot of the operational details and let him take care of how things got done at the more detailed level. And he and I, you know, tended to agree on what we needed to do and why. And I've tried to keep to that. I don't always do a great job, but I've tried to keep to that at likewise and in my career in general, like how do I focus on what needs to get done and why it needs to get done and sell that in and get people excited about it and then hire really good people who make it happen at the next level. And I think when I do that, things tend to go very well because A, that's what I'm better at and B, that's what I enjoy. Such, I'm glad you said that because it, it's a great reminder for me as well as I progress in my business. So the app is called Likewise. Again, it's on Google Play on iOS. Go check it out. I'm going to go check out Ian's shows. I am sorry, Andrew, Andrew Savage, and then The Spy as well. Ian, if the listener wants to follow up with you anywhere else, do you want to send them anywhere else? Um, you know, and anyone can certainly reach out to me at, at Ian at likewise on, uh, check out my profile on likewise and, uh, hopefully people will join it and they'll, they'll add their recommendations to the mix. And I would encourage them to follow me on likewise. Awesome. It's just at Ian. So if you want to do that, it's pretty easy. You can follow them there. Ian, thank you so much for doing this. I'm apologize for the delay, but I'm glad we got to do this. I'm glad that we got to talk. Absolutely. It was my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you all for listening. I'll see you on the next chat. Thanks for listening to the App Masters podcast. For show notes and amazing app marketing content, check out appmasters.co.